Now, before we dive into today's episode of Be Good and Rewatch It, uh, you should know that there are a couple caution warnings for this episode uh, for sexual and physical abuse and domestic violence. Uh, Serenity is a very silly movie in a lot of ways, but also deals with some troubling themes in a not always and frequently massively inappropriate way. Uh, We'll be discussing all of that on the show, but you should just be advised going into this that this conversation does end up in some pretty serious and dark places. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, uh, I guess we're doing this. Hell yeah, we're doing this. I'm like, ready. This is the last chance. We could just talk about something else. Like, Apex Legends, baby. Let's go. I'm going to not talk about how excited I am for Apex Legends in order to talk about something else. Which, All right. are we excited? To talk about it? <laughs> you know what? Be it on your heads, be it on Patrick's. Welcome to Be Good and Rewatch It, a Waypoint podcast where we take a close look at movies and television, examine their themes, craft and relationship to our own times. And for some reason, (laughs) this week, at our best, I mean, we try. (laughs) I mean, Natalie, we aspire to greater things. Whether we reach them is immaterial. You think there's documentary evidence that the movie we're talking about today, that's not what people thought they were getting into. No. no, And yet. And yet. And yet. The angels of our Uh, better nature. So, so, uh, for some sort of reason, we're looking this week at Serenity, a new thriller from writer-director Stephen Knight and starring Creator of? Co-creator. Co-creator of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? (laughs) He co-created that in the UK. Was that that the original? That was the original, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yep. His IMDb entry as a writer is, is illuminating, and we'll it's, get to that in a minute. Yeah, uh-huh, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, so Sorry, it's, it's starring Anne Hathaway that. and Matthew McConaughey. The movie currently has a 22% on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> yeah. and gave both actors their worst film opening of their careers. Can Damn. I just say, I think it's at least a 25. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> okay. But that's sure. not how Rotten Tomatoes work. That's aggregation. Yeah, that's just, yeah. I'll give yeah. the 3%. Thank you. It's apples and rotten tomatoes that you're comparing. <laughs> uh, so today we are going to plumb the murky depths of this bizarre and often misguided film. We're going to spoil it from the jump because this movie cannot be understood or even discussed outside the context of its overarching conceit. We already spoiled it on another podcast where Patrick cracked open this Pandora's box. But in case you didn't listen to that, uh, again... There are significant spoilers for Serenity, a movie that I'm sure everybody here was keenly anticipating seeing and going in completely unspoiled. Uh, Anyway, this is your chance to turn back. I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today for this very special episode is Austin Walker. Hello. 
And Natalie Watson. Hi. I think Kato also needs to be able to talk during this because we Kato made, came with us. Kato came to the movie theater <laughs> with us. Hi. Well, Kato, Kato's God. with Kato's background in art. I'll bet Kato got it. I'll bet yeah, Kato was like y'all. Kato, are cool Kato has a film degree. I'm pretty sure, right? No, I did film in high school. Okay, and then I switched to fucking fine art. So was your <laughs> were your works better or worse than <laughs> Serenity? I don't know. I mean, in, I did make a uh, short run. Uh, live action Sailor Moon before that existed. So hell yeah! Wow, ahead oh. of your time. <laughs> Key thing here for the post on this, and I would say for the episode art, we just use the Joss Whedon Serenity. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It'll improve engagement like ten. hundred percent. Damn it, hundred percent. Yeah, I was gonna do that bit. I was gonna come in and be like, "Wait, I, I saw you're talking about Serenity, right?" With Alan Tudyk and yeah, Mal, you know Mal Reynolds. He's like boom, bing, bing, guns, spaceships. I, uh-huh. I don't know this. Do you know what? the Serenity? No, Serenity is yeah. great. The Here's Confederacy like was awesome. The one, the Confederacy was awesome. Firefly is bad. Uh, Firefly <laughs> is the thing that tricks you to think it's good until you like pause in any way and think about it. Here is my favorite thing about Serenity: is it's a great case study. Serenity, two thousand five, Joss Whedon, uh, in <laughs> there being a movie actor. In a in a film filled with TV actors and it's showing. <laughs> oh, Chowtel Giafor. Yeah, just fucking Giafor, yeah. blowing the doors off Giafor, that movie. It's unbelievable. He's so fucking good, and he's playing like the villain, which means he's already going to scene steal because it's like a well enough written uh, villain. And because the when you stop and think about the good guys, a lot of their a lot of the reason you like them kind of falls apart, and then. This character is just built to make all of that very fucking clear <laughs> and delivered by someone who is, if he's not yet won an Academy Award, he certainly will. He may have so, heard. Hmm, a GF4 anyway. concerns me because he is such a brilliant actor, but I'm yeah. not sure he's gotten the roles. He got he, he 12 Years not. a Slave was his big breakout. Yeah, that's but what the I was thing is, to, like, he keeps he, getting caught up either in these big prestige pieces yeah. or he's a bit player put in to lend gravitas to like a genre production. Yes, that happens a lot with him and it's a shame. Hey friends, we gathered here to talk about a different movie called Serenity and we're going to have to talk about it. <laughs> um, we can't beat around this bush. <laughs> hey you guys, you see the, the giant bomb uh, like quick look of Apex Legends just hit. Oh, oh cool. Sick. That's cool. Brad um, seemed really excited about that game. Yeah, Brad seems really, really excited about it. There's a robot. Not big robots. There's little robots. There's Chappie. There's Chappie right here. Um, <laughs> can we talk about Chappie? Uh, Chappie? Now Chappie. <laughs> now Chappie. That's a be good. That's a fucking be good. I've never be- seen it. We should see Wait, Chappie. Really? There's I a, haven't mm, seen. That's a good why robot is anyone right surprised when I say I haven't seen a movie? <laughs> Takes a like, consciousness, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> like, the best thing about Chappie is in that movie consciousness is constantly stored on little data disks and they all have just like written in sharpie consciousness.dat on them <laughs> like there's a universal file format for like minds it's great chappie is conscious Ch- chappie is a person but in a robot body that's chappie. you get put into a robot but you're all fucked up because somebody used a freeware like de- like <laughs> compression God, software no. to like, extract you onto the robot God. anyway serenity mm. is 20 20- 18. Let's can we run through 19? 19. When did it come out? 19. 19. The years currently. We, what, did this movie fuck you up so bad you forgot what day it is? <laughs> I wasn't sure if it came out like a while ago and we just got around to it or if it You just... thought this movie was maybe in theaters for over a month. <laughs> <laughs> No. <We laughs> now that I think it. about it, now that I think about it. <laughs> oh that would be hard. Um 
Anyway. So Serenity <laughs> is, uh, I guess you'd call it like, it falls in the tradition of like what were called erotic thrillers or romantic thrillers. Yes. Uh, and it is a sort of neo-noir set in a tropical locale starring Matthew McConaughey as kind of a down on his luck. Bakerdale. Uh, yep, yeah, down on his luck freshman name. <laughs> Baker down Dale. on his luck, a down on his luck Pokemon. <laughs> Bakerdale. Bakerdale. Bake, 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 Bakerdale. <laughs> he is a world-class fisherman, but he is reduced to taking rich tu- tourists out on the water so that they can try to catch uh, trophy fish, prize fish. Um, and he is just in a process of like slow degradation into bankruptcy. Uh, he's basically only being uh, like kept afloat, uh, so to speak, by hook- by this woman, Constance, who lives in his uh, seaside port town, uh, who he is sort of dating, but also she has sex with him and gives him money uh, yeah. to give him fuel to keep going out on the water each day. <clears throat> if if she's not giving him money for sex, she's giving him money for finding her cat. Yeah. Is what I came to understand. Yep. Uh he's keeping him she's keeping him in the green. Like she's yeah. making sure he's all right. Yeah. He Which is, I have so many questions about this particular element of when we get to the reveal. There's a lot of questions about a lot of this movie. Uh, anyway, his first mate on his boat is uh this character named Duke, played by Jaiman Hansu, uh, who is basically the again Cassandra type figure. He's the he's the he's the wise first mate who's there to tell the captain, like, I don't know if we should be doing this, Captain. You seem to be increasingly losing your cool uh, <laughs> and unfit to do anything out on the water. And into this mix, uh, as Baker Dill is basically living day to day, paycheck to paycheck. Uh, constantly like about to break into this mix comes his ex-wife uh, played by Anne Hathaway, Karen Zariakis. And it is clear from the time they meet that they split up shortly after he went to Iraq. Yeah. And she has since remarried. He disappeared. She has been trying to track him down for a while. She is remarried and she is trapped in an abusive marriage and she would like, she is going to bring her new husband, uh, played by Jason Clark, uh, Frank Zariakis. She is going to bring her new husband down to this uh, seaside town, Plymouth. And she is going to put him on uh, Baker Dill's boat. And she wants Baker Dill to sail her husband out to the deep water and dump and kill him and dump him overboard. She wants Matthew McConaughey to murder her husband. <laughs> Yep, mm-hmm. but from the first, there are weird interstitial cuts. And by the by, the way you say first, you don't mean the first moment that she arrives. You mean from the beginning of the movie? Yes. Which opens with just this blasting, like not like just generic butt rock, with a weird typeface treatment for mm-hmm. the word serenity that appears. I think it is so important to understand that this movie is filled from top to bottom with strange choices, strange formalistic choices around, like you said, cuts, camera motion, um, musical choice, dialogue, the cadence of certain pieces of dialogue. Mm -hmm. It feels strange. And this is why it's a 25 and not a 22, because that (laughs) does pay off. Here's my thing. Um, Also, forgot to mention that 
also trapped in this uh, abusive familial yes. relationship is uh, uh, Baker and Karen. Baker and Karen, classic American family. <laughs> Baker and Karen's uh, son. Patrick. Patrick, yes, Patrick. Um, Protect who, our sweet boy. Yeah, mm-hmm. our sweet boy, Patrick. Our sweet gamer boy. <laughs> it's true. Truly. Um, he's there. Well, he is a gamer. Like it's established pretty early on that in response to the situation at home, uh, he has thrown himself into games. Yeah. And has built himself a home VR setup where he is playing on his computer with a blanket <laughs> draped over his shoulders and over the monitor. We all remember this. We who all, we all who did has it. not? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he is basically trying to uh, he is he is hiding uh, from this abusive relationship. And when you see the shots from his point of view, every time you see his room and he's playing uh, a game, you get some glimpse of what he's playing. There's lots of variables. It looks like he's in some sort of world builder. Um, and then in the background, you hear basically domestic abuse dot wave is yeah. what is playing in the background. Like it is just you you hear shouting, um, f- like fighting, like lots of upsetting uh, background noise from what is presumably uh, Anne Hathaway's character uh, being assaulted by her husband, uh, Frank, played by Jason Clark, who, by the way, we talked about this last week. Jason Clark is suddenly in everything. Yeah. Um, Best known for perhaps the Chicago Code, a totally all right police procedural uh, <laughs> that was canceled after I think thirteen episodes. But anyway, uh, Jason Clark appears to be filling that James Con role where if you need to cast kind of an asshole um, who you would totally buy as being like an abusive creep or just kind of a shitty husband, Jason Clark appears to be who producers have on speed dial right now. <laughs> um, Jason Clark, talk to your agent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, so the thing I want to lay out here is that I think one reason Serenity has been oddly received is because it is operating in a tradition that we just do not see many movies like this at all anymore. It is a, it is a meta movie about a genre that has largely, I think, dried up and died off. But the thing to bear in mind is that film noir sort of comes into vogue in like the late in the mid to late forties and reaches, it reaches it's like apogee in the late forties, early fifties and film noir, uh, is dealing with a lot of themes, a lot, a lot of them around suppressed sexuality because films are still laboring, if not outright under the production code. Yes. Uh, they're still, but they are that. And yet there is also socially, we have discarded the notion of innocence. We know better about people. By the 40s and the 50s. The world, world, we've all confronted things, let's say, in the 30s and 40s, which have made it impossible for us to enjoy entertainment. Not impossible, and not us is the broadest category. I'm very, very generalistic here. But as creators and as film-going audiences, the, the audiences were increasingly interested in films that at least recognized a fallibility of the hero, uh, that recognized corruption both in uh, personal affairs and governmental and and uh, business affairs, both kind of in the personal and private, um, or public and private, and uh, we recognize that that there were often not clean solutions. That um, 
both the heroes who were set to break mysteries open were rarely the kind of um, cool and collected Poirot figures, who not to say Poirot is someone who does not have his own baggage, um, but we're not simply detective, master detectives, but we're often, uh, you know, insurance salesmen who were divorced or whatever. And then that the solutions rarely cleaned things up, that mm-hmm. solving the mystery rarely ended with, and then the good guys win and the bad guys go to jail the end. Um, I mean, the, yeah. the sort of the foundational work of the noir is double indemnity, which hits before World War II is even over. Um, important thing to note uh, for, for all of this is film noir. It's remembered as Barbara Stanwyck being a femme fatale who talks and otherwise straight <laughs> shooting insurance salesman into murder. Crucially, what is forgotten in that is he talks himself into it as much as she does. Like it is, it is a collaborative project from the start. It's interesting that it's always remembered as he's completely manipulated. Uh, we've watched the film. It's not really the case at all, but film noir tends to follow these tropes. And then as the mores of the 40s and 50s drop away. The Production Act is completely uh, abandoned. Uh, you sort of have the <laughs> laughably incomplete so-called sexual revolution mm-hmm. uh, of the 60s. And then you get uh, sort of a new generation of noirs, that both neo-noirs, but then there's erotic thrillers. And like it's almost a remake of Double Indemnity, but like one of the best ver- uh, versions of this is a movie from 1981 called Body Heat uh, by Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, starring Kathleen Turner and William Hurt. And basically, Body Heat is what if what if you combine double indemnity with the aesthetic sensibility of a mid-1970s issue of Penthouse or Playboy? Right. I was gonna say, and like and but also just like not even penthouse's degree of pornography a little softer core than that right but yeah but a like, little harder than than playboy yeah 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 absolutely like, yes body heat it's like let's like let's get some fucking going in this in this movie and it's crucial because you almost have to believe in body heat that the obviously corrupt bargain that William Hurt's character is making might almost be worth it because the relationship is so intense. Uh, right. Also, a really good Ten Dadson performance. Just FYI, you worth watching for that. But these movies existed for a while. Uh, they were listed to like the late nineties, right? Is that fair? Ah, uh, what, what were your late nineties examples? I'm thinking of like uh, Bound. I'm thinking of um, Cruel Intentions. Uh, yeah. I think of Eyes Wide Shut. Um, I don't think they go into the 2000s. And they're starting to lose their film noir. Oh, absolutely. Uh, they're still horny, but they're not quite neo-noirs. <laughs> right? right, right. And so um, you start to see that drop away. And then there's sort of a movement toward overall prudishness in the 90s, 2000s, where like just the erotically charged adult movie, like it's not like an adult film in the pornography sense, but just like has like explicit sexuality. Mm -hmm. A lot of that just disappears from filmmaking entirely. Um, Certainly from mainstream filmmaking. And so Serenity, the weird thing is, I think it belongs in this lineage of neo-noirs and erotic thrillers. The problem is nobody's seen one of those fucking movies. <laughs> not like not really. Nobody's seen one in like 20 years. Gone Girl is the last great Gone Girl. Uh neo-noir yeah. like it, and that's sort of a throwback, but it is uh that is very much I, I would argue uh one of the most distinctly unerotic erotic thrillers mm. I've ever seen. Uh it's question. I'm yeah. just now realizing do we know when this movie is set? 
It doesn't uh, matter, I think. Based on the PC, we can kind of guess. Right. And also based on what war, what was it, Iraq war? Iraq, war? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, six years he was deployed. I'm guessing yeah. it's like late aughts. Late aughts, early, early, early 2010s. Early teens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, that's not true. That's not true. That's not, I, I actually... Uh, Let's see here, because the war against the the uh, the Federation, obviously, you know, when Mal Reynolds uh, and the fire the crew of the Firefly, uh, it was the 26th century. 26th century is when the humanity left an overpopulated Earth That's to colonize a new solar system. Yeah, Thank perfect. You. You're welcome. This um, is going to be confusing. <laughs> so this movie checks a bunch of those boxes, though. You have the down on his luck small town guy in like in the tropics, just yes, steamy. Everyone's sweating all the time. Just not and many is hot as shit. Like everyone is hot. Like yeah. I'm not there. Like everyone is hot. Yeah. Uh, 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 who's who plays the Diane, Diane Lane, Lane plays Constance. Hot. Like yeah. everybody is hot. In everyone this movie. is. You get a lot of Matthew McConaughey butt in this movie. Yeah. You sure a fucking do. He doesn't have a great butt, but it's yeah. all right. Um, there's gyrating. There's gyrating. There's like a couple of really bad sex scenes, but they're in there. And and you're right that we there are a lot of thrillers. We, yeah, we yeah. do. <laughs> we we have to talk about those specifically for the thing that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. Right. We'll get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So this movie checks a lot of those boxes. Oh, right it has one more thing. It has one more great thing from neo noir, which is. A man in a suit in the rain trying to contact the protagonist. It That's has, really good it has, an, it has an outsider who seems to know something the hero doesn't want to be bothered with. Um, I love this character. Reed Mitchell is the name of the character in the movie. He's another name played by Jeremy Strong. We'll get to that other name momentarily also. Um, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, though, no sooner, like... Does it might even start happening before it does? Uh, the t- his wife the, makes the offer. Yes, one hundred percent. But for instance, there's, there's weird cuts. There's there's jumps in continuity. There's a point where he goes from a convert like uh, Constance Diane Lane's character comes and visits him at his bungalow, which is really just a trailer with a window. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, a it's a shipping container. It's a shipping, it's a shipping crate. Yes, right? a shipping crate. Yes, yeah. it's like a metal ship. Doesn't have any lights inside. He has a lamp that he can put the turn the lights on in. He's only he only does it once in the whole movie. Looks pretty cool, actually. It does like, he's got cool. his cliffs. So this himself. is the thing. I, 25, 25, 30? Could be a thirty. Yeah. <laughs> but she comes visits him. He walks out of the conversation, strips naked, jumps into the water. Uh, off the cliff, dives into the water, and while he's down there, he catches a glimpse of another figure in the water looking at him, and he hears a child calling his name. Mm. And that is our first indication that what we have here is not just a neo-noir, not just an erotic thriller, but a movie about video game modding Mm -hmm. and gamers rising up. (laughs) God. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, 
Um, I, in the name of the, in the in the words of, of anime genre, it's an isekai, which means another world. These are you know anime where a character goes from their normal life into a strange and mysterious one, like into a, like into a video game or mm. the past, you know, or a battler done by right. anyone. No, okay. <laughs> <sighs> oh my anime fans out there see i was trying to connect gaming and anime to yeah. great tastes so yeah. yeah but i would argue so everyone's like saying this is a huge twist i don't think it's a twist this i don't was, think it's a twist either this yeah. is shown so it's early only, in the film <clears throat> it's only a twist because of the trailer right so that's an important thing do you want to talk about the trailer the a little trailer bit? which i just watched for the first time the trailer i had seen several times in the movie theaters and i was like what the fuck is this movie and basically, the the story that the trailer tells is the one that we've laid out so far, of what in which there is a fisherman who's looking for this like specific fish. He's got this like specific large fish on the mind, a tuna, in fact. Do you remember the tuna's name? What's it called? Justice. 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 God. Um, his boat is called Serenity, so that's the titular um thing. Yeah. Um. So. He is visited by a woman. It you can kind of tell that it's his ex-wife. I think they say that in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, she tells him about the abusive husband, and tells him that he has to, like, she needs him to to kill him. And that's it. The suit guy is there. The suit guy you is get- there. Who says the thing that you do get is everyone saying. Um, you know, do the right thing or whatever. Do the right, right thing. Everyone says that, you know, you know, everyone knows everything in Plymouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you do get Plymouth. in the trailer the uh interaction with the storekeeper who like owns the bait shop or whatever, yeah, yeah. in which she like delivers sort of like this warning or something, or she like delivers a line and then Matthew McConaughey says something like, Is this even real? And then she says well she like kind of like has this this so you know something is going on yeah but that could be like she like reverts to basically her greeting like what she would say like when you first walk in or something like well have a good day now exhausted all of the dialogue basically which we're getting close now to i mean it's a video game it's a video game that's the that's the twist um but that sequence is great. That trailer could very well be something like The Wicker Man or any other thriller where it's like, ah, small town with a secret. Small town mm-hmm. that is going to kill this protagonist eventually yeah. because it is a secret cult or it is there is something ancient and evil underneath the lake or the the, the water here or right. something like that, right? Like it mm-hmm. could have been one of those. Totally. And instead. <laughs> and instead, it's. It's not just a video game, it right? It is not. It's it hard is... to tell. What what we think, what I think is happening is that the son on his computer, the the father Baker and Patrick shared Father Baker. Father Baker and Patrick shared an early memory of um fishing. And so Patrick developed this fondness for fishing that he associated with his father. Patrick develops or mods a fishing game. He's he, you. You come to understand that he is uh, uh, exceptionally gifted in IT. Is what they say. Did you say IT <laughs> they, in <laughs> IT. Um, so <laughs> whatever the fuck that means. But they um, said math. N- 
They do, they but at say, one they point, say Matt, that, but they say specifically yes, like t- he is like <laughs> gifted in in the IT oh department or something like that. And then wink, wink. What? And then and and then you start seeing on his screen like a coding. Uh, a like box interface, interface. Yeah, he is actually coding. He's right? like he's yeah. like typing in code, and um, you don't really see what the effects are on his computer, but you see that he's like constantly typing code. And then in in Baker's world, things are starting to get a little weird. Um, there's also you can if you're paying attention, you can see sliders on his screen for like plant life and water density or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As if he's running like a proc gen world creator. You know, as if he's playing Dwarf Fortress or something. Where he's like, all right, uh, let me turn up the amount of plants on this next generation or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which doesn't make sense given I. Mm. You don't really see that. You don't like the, the it's change. Off to the side, you have to be paying yeah, yeah. attention. Yeah. The change that happens in Baker Dale's world isn't like like physical things around him are changing. It's like, not Inception. The, yeah, the 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 physicality of everything is the same. What's changing is like his awareness and like his interactions with people. He starts to question, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, Basically, he becomes aware that he's in some sort of simulation, and the underlying thing, the underlying plot that is that happened is that Baker passed away. Oh, should I say this now? Yeah. I guess I just already yeah. started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Baker passed away in uh, in duty uh, in the uh, in the war, and so he never actually came home. Um, and after after that, his his mother remarried a construction worker named Frank Zacharias or mm-hmm. um, whatever his name is, and and so Patrick lives with them. Um, so in in the game, the father is painted or the stepdad is painted as this like mogul uh, billionaire, basically um, also abusive to to his wife um, in the game. And in Bakerdale's world, which again question mark, which again on some question of this mark, stuff. Um, and so throughout this whole time, God, that brings up a very specific question, mm. which is sorry to interrupt. That's okay. There's there is a big point. the The final act is will Bakerdale kill this motherfucker, mm-hmm. and it becomes clear that ki- this is not a killing sort of game. Yes, right. So. Well, um, that's not the question yet. Oh, okay. So that is part of the big conflict is the game does not want him to kill. Yes. So However, basically, Patrick is manipulating the game to change the uh, objective, the main objective, the main motivation of Baker Dill to be killing Frank right. instead of catching, catching justice. This, <laughs> catching justice. Right. Here is my, here is my, huh. Hmm. Yet abuse is within the realms of the game. Or is that a mod? You think he modded that in also? He, I mean, he must have. But the, but the game doesn't. If, if it's his mother and his stepfather, no, those have to that. be inherently modded. Totally, in, totally. Right? But there's no like the world isn't struggling to hold them. Like stop. Like do you know what I mean? In we don't see any specific yeah stuff happening in the game. It's that told. is not true. In there the is game? abusive shit happening in that game, my guy. Well, yeah. we don't see we one you hear her be hit. With a, with his belt, yeah, and Two, you see there is lots of emotional abuse happening throughout and physical touching yeah, that yeah, happens yeah. that is abusive. 
But it was like things that could be told. I thought of it as things that could be told through text in the game, right? Right. Rather than things that needed to be modded <clears throat> mechanically. But it's not. But I think because of how, like, I think everything that happens in Baker Dill's world is just in the game. Right. Like, explicitly, yeah. visually. Like, what if, you know, you're walking over here, you see that animation of this person walking over there. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I think, and I mean, I th- this is like the, con- <laughs> yeah. this is the yeah. absolute messiest shit. Yeah, is you know, y- everyone knows the mm-hmm. game. The, like everyone around Baker is talking to him about this woman who's come in to right. town, and she's getting you know everyone's talking about the fact that she's being abused. Yeah, and specifically bringing that up to Baker, and Baker at first is like, it's not my problem. And he's like focused on this fish, and slowly he like kind of realizes that no, he do- does need to step in because he starts to realize that this is a call for help from his son. Right, and he has this ability. You come uh, like an ability in like the most abstract sense, not like he's directly communicating. Right, not like but- he's M Night Shyamalan's <laughs> character, and this is his. This is his cella uh, power. Exactly. Um, he has the ability to speak, sort of, to Patrick. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, so a lot of the time you see Baker, like, just talking to no one, but he's talking to Patrick. Um, and so, and so I, I would say that, like, everything that's happening in the game is, is happening for Patrick. Like, right. Patrick is seeing Patrick all of this. Patrick is making this, and Patrick is making this game do this, whether it's his game mm. or it's a mod, because he's processing the trauma of living through an abusive household. Right. And, like, is it, like, garnering the courage to, like, retaliate I against I mean, we, his- this is a movie in which Baker Dill gains consciousness, so I don't fucking know. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, the movie's a mess. Like, yeah, like is he building, is he building, working up the nerve to do this? Or does he want to see if there's a threshold at which his father would have killed this guy? Mm. At which point it's sort of, a, he's cra- like, he's, he's going to a virtual mentor uh, to see what is the action I should take here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are, there are other, but this begins to get so fucking weird. So things I do like here. One of the reasons that this all begins to feel so weird from McConaughey's character. It's like he, it suddenly dawns on him that he's in a video game fishing town where like mm-hmm. there's the one doctor and you go to him for the one sort of interaction. There is the sailors hangout bar and you go there and you see the same people every day and you have the same conversations. There is the bait shop and it realizes that he's in this world of like just two dimensional characters who like have these really um, transactional, simple relationships mm-hmm. And that begins to justly like freak him out as the awareness of that hits home. It's kind of yeah. nifty, like yeah, that's a, that's a very video game thing to 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 have happen. Where it begins getting where it begins where it gets extremely uh, messy as hell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is so uh, Karen shows up one night to really do the hard sell to explain oh. why like his her first Fuck. attempt to con- to commission the killing doesn't go well she shows up again to really to to really sell on the idea of of murdering um uh Frank and a couple things come across in this conversation one she says she still loves Baker 
and she wished things had gone differently. And Baker says straight up, what does differently look like? You mean like I didn't go over there? I didn't end up in pieces all around the desert or something like that, which is mm-hmm. this weird, like, this he is he talking about his own death uh, mm-hmm. in the war? And no, no character really like reacts to that revelation uh, in in the scene. Yeah, I didn't and, even really catch that. And then she explains to him that uh, Patrick is involved, that Patrick is, is in danger, and this needs to happen for Patrick. But then there is, and this is the other part of a movie like this. There's got to be some kind of like sexual tension and chemistry between mm. the leads. Uh, we get a intensely awkward and uncomfortable sex scene between McConaughey and Hathaway uh, mm-hmm. that is like, if you remember the true detective uh, sex scene, it's like that level of semi like it's just mm. semi-engaged, semi, uh, semi-voluntary. Um, and then when... When he finishes, he hops off her and says, I did it. I proved I'm better or something like that. Like, he basically says, I did it. I beat him. Yeah. Um, this is also the point at which um, we see, like, um, like belt lashes on the back yeah. of, of Anne Hathaway. And, uh, like, after seeing those lashes is when Baker like engages in sex with her and then like says that at the end like he says like I'm better than him or something like I'm I am the yeah something like that uh and here's I'm like trying to think of what game is this and I'm like is this GTA with a fishing mod (laughs) or is this like the sims and you don't like see the dialogue, but you just like the actions are being done, mm. and there's a fishing mod. I mean, it could be and the Sims the, with a dialogue, right? Yeah, but the dialogue is like Simlish, right? So you no, don't... I remember saying you it could be the Sims, but they're speaking English. You can imagine mm-hmm. that game mm-hmm. exists, and but there's definitely an implication that there's AI, right? Like there's absolutely AI. Like, That's the thing that makes me like this is such a I I understand that if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this and you're not into games, which is some small subset of our audience. Mm-hmm. Hi, mom. Hi, Dad. <laughs> um, it's like, well, why are you focusing on the game implication here? The game part of this when when you could just be unpacking questions of abuse and parenthood and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's part of it. But I think that the, the movie wants you to think about the rules. It wants you to think about the ways in which characters have game-like compulsions that they are moved by. And it wants you to try to extrapolate out and like say something about the world in general, right? Mm-hmm. But like... It doesn't really do any of that super successfully. And so there is a way in which I am moved to try to figure out what the fuck is this game? Like, how would you model all this? And what does that mean for the the outcomes for these characters and and the themes? And also given that it was Patrick's doing, like all of it is Patrick's doing, right? Yes. Mm, Yes. Because it's all being, everything that we've watched was, yeah, right? Like that makes it, that makes the, the way that these things play out if this is GTA, a game that already has cutscenes with violence in it, right. that already gestures at sexual assault, there's a degree to which you're saying, aha, here's the canvas with which he's working with. Right. Yeah, this, this is, is already a mechanic within the game. Right. right. You're or just, did he? Right. You're just putting a different uh, uh, you're changing. Like player skin right. on it. And like, right, which is like the, the review that Patrick Klepik read to us suggested that he was playing a game as his father 
of playing a fishing game as his father. But watching the movie, that is not necessarily clear. In fact, no. I think he's building the game. I would I would lean on the side of he's built this game wholesale, that he's built Plymouth a sort of uh, open world game or a sim game, a simulation game in which there are sub games to play or sub quests to go do. Mm-hmm. Catch the cat. Catch the cat. Blah, blah, blah. I and- forget the other ones. Get the tuna. I don't fucking. Yeah, they were all have sex weird. with your mom. Have sex with your mom. Have sex with Constance. Weird. He's a teen. That, He's yeah. a teen. He's a teen. Yeah, He's yeah. making some sex games. Well, and that's the other thing right. is that it's it feels like fucking. It's hard to tell what because the movie obviously shot with real actors, real people in the real world. But and when you see by a human, not, not when you, right. when you see when you see shots of the game on his computer screen, <laughs> it's fucking first person, really like. Super bright, super saturated, yeah. colorful. And so you wonder how much of like what is being shown in the movie is a it could be like a text dump, like this is the story that's happening. No, because, I think like, it's reboot. I yeah. You I think, think it's, it's like reboot. it's gonna it's showing all these things, but like in that style, like No, sorry, I, I what I mean is do you know reboot? Do you know reboot? Okay, so reboot, I reboot, know reboot. was thank you, Rob. This is I'm not dragging <laughs> you. Reboot was a CG show from the early nineties in which the characters lived inside it's like tron characters lived inside of a computer and when a game happened they get loaded into the game like right. mm. they're like living in like, like wreck it ralph sort of it's sort of like wreck it ralph <laughs> the difference the big difference is like there is a computer world where everyone lives and yeah. then and then the user's like i gotta load a game and then this guy the protagonist dude becomes the protagonist in this new game or he becomes a protagonist. He's like, oh, now I'm a scuba, scuba fisherman. I see, I see. Now I'm a, a laser king. Okay. Whatever. You know, scuba oh, fisherman, laser <laughs> king. <laughs> yeah, the two jobs. The two jobs. Um, and so and the thing I'm getting at is more like, in my mind, I think he's built a world. He's built Dwarf Fortress. The world runs, or you can step in and play as one character in that world. And I think he goes between those two things and sees what happens sees what sees what happens sometimes and other times goes fishing yeah right like you see him the the sort of perfect examples when baker is um waking up in the morning yes. and it's like just before 5 or something like that like every morning you, there's like one other scene previous where the alarm clock goes off and he like hits it and wakes up and goes to and the fish. radio DJ comes on and the radio oh, DJ comes day in. in Plymouth and it's like the same go catch that fish yeah <laughs> it's like weirdly directed specifically towards Baker um, but in this scene he wakes up just before the clock and he's unable to get out of bed like physically he's like like glued to the bed and like can't get up. And that's what makes me think it's kind of like what you're that. talking about. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Talking about uh, Austin in which like when you play The Sims, you can physically click on one character and like tell them to do something. Get the something, fuck out of bed. Get the fuck out of bed, <laughs> even if it's like not really, you know, their time to wake up yet. They're still tired or whatever. Their sleep meter's not all the way up. But, uh, uh. Or you can just like let them be. Right. And sometimes they'll get up early anyway because they have insomnia insomnia or whatever. And they mm-hmm. might just not be able to sleep a full night or But that's a rule. But that's a rule. Rules right. but rules in other words, like um Yeah. The thing that the thing that is interesting about this for me is is Patrick, like Rob said, working up the courage by trying to enact the killing before he goes and does it himself? Or is he running a system and being like, Well, if my dad can do it, I can do it. And and to what degree is he disclaiming his responsibility in what follows? Do you know what I mean? I don't think he is disclaiming his responsibility. I think 
I would almost look at the game as like a coping po- yeah. coping mechanism in which he's working through the sort of emotions of like feeling like he wants to retaliate like violently and and you know like watching I mean f- for some you know survivors of abuse um it it can be very therapeutic to to walk through uh you know the past past traumas and things like that sure. and and sort of um you know there's all sorts of different ways to to cope with that sort of stuff and to work through it um but and so i think you know at the end it it is revealed that uh uh patrick has had this knife the whole time and he is like listening to uh karen and frank like fight and he gets up from his room and leaves the room and goes and presumably like st- we don't see this like stabs his stepfather and kills him and then in the like tr- like not the trial but in the like crime <laughs> analysis or the whatever final six the final yeah it's like hey, it's here's like, what happened yeah, it's like, oh, well, you know, a, a child was charged with second degree murder. Um, his mother has come out to say that it was an act of defense because the stepfather was abusive. And so to me, what this reads like is is that kind of coping narrative or like that that reenaction almost. Um, the thing is. I'm not sure <laughs> it doesn't do a good job. <laughs> And I'm not sure if I, I'm just I'm not sure if it's successful in that. I'm not sure if, you know, it it really lands the land lands what it's trying to do because it it's it's just so disturbing to think of, you know, because Patrick is not putting himself in the game. Patrick mm-hmm. does not put himself in the game until the very end. And after... he also puts a younger version of himself in the game. Yeah. Like to reenact like the fishing days of when his father was like still around. Yeah. But even that is ambiguous because I, I even in that I couldn't read that as I couldn't be sure if I wanted to read that as now Patrick is going to play a game in which he is his, a kid self playing the game with his father. Or if this was his final gift to the now conscious version of his father, mm-hmm. right. giving him a new compulsion, which is hang out with your kid and go fishing and you mm-hmm. don't have to be sad anymore and go to this yeah. new island. But the fact is that like he created his mother and his stepfather and like had them reenact these it's also interesting that he like wrote this this father character to be sort of this like his power comes from his wealth Mm -hmm. um given that his own father was a construction worker which is construction workers can make art can make good money Mm -hmm. but in film and in 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 like pop culture yeah yeah of construction workers it's always a blue collar worker yeah yeah. like lower middle class or like just middle class probably Mm -hmm. um and and so yeah, I mean, it was deeply disturbing to sit through some of the scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I really got the catharsis that the movie wanted me to get by the end at all. Um, For part- so much of it was just so convoluted in mm-hmm. in how like the AI or whatever, like the game was changing. Like you see sort of... Um, Baker Dill like taking off 
randomly. We'll just like kind of like having these random outbursts and, and things like that. And it just there was so many like beats that I couldn't like follow it all the way through to like a final catharsis because I was just getting pulled in so many directions. It like retraces its own steps a lot in the in the back half. It like does the turn. And it's like, ah, oh, it's a video game. But then it like stays there and it wants to reintroduce like a degree of like uh, like obstacles between it between what you now understand is the final question, which is will Baker Dill do this or not? Will Patrick do this or not? And it's just like it doesn't ever really want it just doesn't go from the point at which it could go. It it tries to do this reveal of being right the game three times or something like yeah like you already did it and then but then like you're supposed to go through this moment of doubt where it's like was that real mm -hmm. i don't know like maybe right, he right. is the real world but like it it's too like that doesn't work for something for this sort of leap like that mm -hmm. the leap is too big for it to have been like some once someone said this is a video game you're like yeah okay mm -hmm. but the next turn is like are the characters going to realize it too right well, and you can't you can't do this thing that the movie tries to do, where the the world fights back and tries to convince him that oh, you're just Baker Dill, you're just losing it, man. Uh, why don't you right. why don't you get out there and catch that fish, and you'll feel better. You'll feel better, man. Because two things have happened. One, we've we have revealed the overarching conceit for this for this movie, which is that all of this is a video game. And two, the other reason there's no putting that genie back in the bottle is that you've drawn attention to the fact that damn, none of this really makes any sense, and this world is full of two-dimensional characters. Yeah. Yeah. But then the movie wants us to continue caring about how the action is going to resolve within the simulation. And it's this like, is the uh, other problem with please, this, God. is we keep having that, is this, is this murder going to happen? Is he going to go through with it? Is he? And the problem is, at this point, what we have here is a not very convincing and certainly not very engaging, uh, like, neo-noir, and then it is tied to this really troubling meta text that sort of tipped its hand. And so immediately you're you're in neither story. At this point, you are fully in the what the fuck is happening here? Mm -hmm. Like what what is being what is what what is the metaphor uh mm -hmm. that I'm watching at this point? And then it goes all in on um trying to get you invested in the procedural element of killing this dude off. Uh, there are twists of fate and fortune as they try to arrange this guy being sent off to his death uh, on the water. And then the game itself begins to try and prevent the murder. Um, Austin, you he, want to talk? Pardon? Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, no, no. I, I was just going to say the fact that, you know, here's another troubling thing for me is that the the point at which Baker finally has the ability to kill Frank is when Frank has been completely like debilitated by being like set up for like a hit by the first mate. So he's like injured, he's like injured in his face and he has a broken hand and he's like super fucked up on like medications yeah. and like alcohol and things like that. And that's the point at which like Baker's like, all right, now I can kill him. Like now that he's like completely helpless and like can't fight back against me is yeah. like when I'm going to put him in the boat and just like push him off the edge, basically. See, the thing is the part for me, part of the reason why that doesn't bother me is because Karen is active in setting that up. 
which is to say, well, Karen wasn't active in setting up the. No, but she absolutely got him to that boat and is yes. a sort of participant. It is not like like that. That doesn't happen. Baker Dill would not go to that uh, that hotel and finish him off. You yeah. know what I mean? And so yeah. for me, that didn't bug me because it was Karen who made sure that who saw an opportunity and took an opportunity to push him into place. Now, I, I no, still go ahead. How she does that is again through one of the oh, most absolutely. exquisitely awkward scenes in this movie. Totally. Um, <laughs> so Duke sets up. He wants to. He doesn't want Baker to kill this guy. So what he ranges? Oh yeah, uh, there's an element. Fucking. The movie starts makes passing reference to uh, there being. Uh, Sexual tourism happening yep. in this world, abuse of sex workers, or just abuse of poor people, all of these things. Also of in- like young Yeah, yes. they, yeah. Use they the like the word girls, which yeah. is, which is oh. meant to be ambiguous, but it's meant to be ambiguous in a very gross way. So yeah. again, just in the game, Duke, though, though not pictured in the game. So mm-hmm. maybe Kato's text theory. That's here. what I that's what I, I get you. Right? I get like you, but eh, is it Duke, like I don't they, give a fuck yeah. kind of. Yeah. yeah. So Duke catches wind that this guy is going to be prowling around the, uh, you know, the, the the poor side of the island or whatever it is. And Duke arranges for the guy to get disablingly injured so he can't go fishing and get murdered by Baker. And that happens. And uh, Frank ends up all fucked up back in the uh, hotel the morning he's supposed to go back out on the water and, and get murdered. Karen sees this. And he is like, appears to be drunk, concussed, um, and his hand is just ripped open and beat to shit. And to convince him that he can get out on the water and he should go out on the water and go fishing, uh, she asks, she asks him, uh, "Just choke me, just choke me. I want." And then Show she me says, to "Prove that he has the grip to hold the fishing rod." Which throughout the entire film is like the biggest phallic symbol mm-hmm. again and again and again in terms of clear placement and stuff like that. And yeah. then she utters the immortal line, I want my daddy to catch me a big fish. God, it's um, really bad. Famous last words. It's really bad. It's Yeah, it's so bad. And so you get this scene of uh, Jason Clark just playing like concussed and totally out of it. Uh, sort of ha- like lazily choking Anne Hathaway. As she re- repeatedly invokes, uh, daddy, catch me a fish. Um, choke me, daddy. And then he's like, yeah, you know what? I can go fishing and goes down to the boat. And that's and that's how all that transpires. Right. And I will say at that point, that was one of the few moments this movie was paying off on like, see, this is the kind of good, bad movie shit I needed to be happening more in this film because it's like laughable and weird and goofy and doesn't work at all. I was like, I could have used more of that rather than just the wall to wall disturbing shit that tends to, uh, encompass that moment. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, the reason why like that, like the, the question for me there was not like, why does he have to be, uh, you know, in this like vulnerable state in order for this to happen? Is that like, what is that? represent on a larger scale for Patrick Mm -hmm. in the sense that is this the game fighting back against him like is this like is this Duke and the rules of the game like trying to adapt in a way to to stop this from happening or is this all scripted and that's what's kind of right that's like the thing that I kind of got stuck on is like is this being written out to to the extent that like Karen also has like some sort of mm-hmm. um um 
presence and like agency in sort of, you know, exiting this abusive situation. Right. Um, is it that, uh, you know, he just wants Frank to get everything that's coming to him and, and right. more right. like, um, and so, yeah, that's why I brought that up. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's part of why I'm like, confu- like, that's part of the thing it does really bad is like understanding where the like, like what translation are we making, right? Like, are we translating this as like, this is literally happening in the game or are we translating some of these things as metaphor for things that happen in games? Is it that the game actually quote unquote broke the hands of the avatar of his stepfather or is it like that there's a bug that won't let me finish this quest line and it's in the movie presented to us as this other thing like yeah right i I think we have to take it on face value which is it happened in the game everything else that happens happens in the game Right, we don't. I don't think we ever get anything. But then, the, then it doesn't. It makes even less sense, right? Like I mean, that's you part see, of the failing. You see the bug in in the the like NPC character, the like the store owner, like repeating lines right, of dialogue. Right, right. But that also she, happened in the game. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, is yeah, like yeah. that's that's like yes. proof that like what's like any sort of like inconveniences or like right. like coming up to to walls or stuff like that is being represented. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know when when you see like what the map looks like and things like that. Like right. that's like, I love one, that fucking scene that's so much. such a good scene. I genuinely <laughs> love, there's a sequence where people who haven't seen this movie, there's a sequence where Baker Dill has been told. So we skipped like my favorite part of this movie. There was like a Sorry. 15 minute part of this movie that I genuinely love, which is where he finally sits down to talk to, to uh, Reed, uh, what's his name? Reed Miller, who is a fishing rep, who's a representative from a fishing company, from a fishing uh, equipment company mm-hmm. who uh, comes to give him a special fish finder on loan to try out to find the fish and in the ensuing conversation reed says uh he slips up and he says uh, i forget the exact exchange i forget how mcconaughey sets up the thing but he says i am the rules and he's like what did you just say he said <laughs> i know the rules <laughs> um and what he reveals is he is the rules of the game he represents the rules of the game and what they want to happen, how the mm-hmm. game has been programmed, how the design functions. Mm-hmm. And he is not a killer. He's a fisherman. He has been mm-hmm. programmed to have a compulsion to fish, to have the verbs to fish, not the verbs to kill people. Um, and in this conversation- And the verbs to fuck. And the verbs to fuck. That's it. He's a fucker and a fisher. <laughs> Put it above my bed. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking and fishing. In this God home. <laughs> um, and- what ensues after that is is McConaughey's character, Baker Dill, trying to figure out if that's true. And one of the ways he does that is by looking at his maps the next morning. And he looks at his b- first map. Which, yeah, little, which is small. Which is small. It's a close-up of Plymouth. It's the small I mean, bear. It's the baby U- bear. It's the baby bear. But it's also the Ubisoft map, like 100% a Ubisoft map of like nodes <laughs> and roads. <laughs> and like, oh, the yellow points all around the place. You definitely go there to get collectibles. The cat is definitely a collectible, by the way. You have to collect oh, it a yeah. hundred times. Um, and then he's like, wait a second. This is all. Where is Plymouth? Where the fuck is Plymouth? And he gets a bigger map, and it's like it just zoomed Mama out. Mama bear, Mama bear. It's like Plymouth. It just says Plymouth. It's just the one island. And there's island. just wa- water around it. Right. And he's like, I know. I'll get my good map. And he Papa goes, bear map. Like a Papa bear map goes to the top of like a pile of shit, like at the cabinet. <laughs> pulls down this gigantic paper thing, opens it up, puts a, like a uh, lantern on one side, knifes the other corner to try to keep it open. Opens it up, puts two more things down, including his world's best dad cup. Yes. Which early in the movie, I was pretty sure it said world's best dad. 
bad question mark then the question mark disappears i have to rewatch this movie sadly <laughs> to see if that's true um and it's just plymouth tiny in a fucking vast and it's, ocean. And it's the same exact 100%. graphic. It's yeah. so it's, good. It's like the same fucking waypoints, the same yes, every, everything. I can, like everything is the same. It just has more water around, around it. it. <laughs> the way an open world game will just be, oh, I guess this is on an island with water forever. Yeah. yeah. Shrug. Um, and that ends up being like the stuff where he goes to talk to the shopkeeper and like talks to the old barman. And, and like, he like sits well, in the spot that is like the old it, man's yes, spot. And, it, and he's like, that's the old man's spot. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. And it ends with a great conversation between uh, Jeremy Strong and Matthew McConaughey in which he convinces the rules to be on his side basically um, he kind of lays out the situation and uh, at the end of it there's just a great moment where he's like what is this have you written this down what is this <laughs> my Apple watch just caught everything I was oh, good. saying is a shopkeeper like talk to and he likes <laughs> yeah. it in the spot that is an old man that's <laughs> Like, that's the old man, but he's like, I don't give a fuck. Good. I don't answer the great conversation <laughs> Thank between. You. Thanks, Siri. Thank Good. you. Um, Fire uh, and the, the great conversation <laughs> where he basically convinces him the rules, like, I guess we changed the rules. I guess we just, you know, yeah. you're a killer now, basically. Yeah. And that, that conversation, one, had great energy. I yeah. shipped those two characters in oh, my yeah. mod. They get together and ride off into the sunset to go fishing. Um, and uh, there was just, oh, wow, they, like, showed up to have performances. They showed up to have any sort of charisma and rapport with each other and it i wanted that movie more yeah, yeah. totally rob you sound like you had something to go with that sequence no that i was worried we were gonna get to that scene it is yes. probably the strongest scene in the movie where basically he convinces the rules and i love that the guy's disguised the rules are oh, disguised so basically as the in-game vendor um, yes. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, ah, you want the you want the top of the line fish sonar. I've got it right here for you. Right. It's the JPEG that would be next to best value in the mobile game, <laughs> holding the like. Oh yes, you spent four ninety nine. You get the XP doubler. You get the double fish finder or whatever. Yep. But yeah, the, the shot of them both just sitting. Uh, in yeah. the surf, drinking the rum and the and the rules, flinging the bottle out and be like, "Fuck it, <sighs> fuck kill, it." It comes back. Guy. Thankfully, I was a little worried about. There's a little rum left in that bottle. It's yep. not going to get drunk. <laughs> um, that sequence is good. So it culminates in there's so much. This is such a weird fucking movie. For some reason, when they go out on the water. <sighs> Diane Lane's character has a nephew who wants a job on a boat. He's just oh. there. He's just yeah, there for some bad. reason. That's bad. What's well, the rules? The rules don't want him to. This is the confusion of this part too. The rules don't want him to kill this guy. And so they start giving him things that are either incentivizing other sorts of play mm -hmm. or are roadblocks like mm -hmm. a, a, the, the, the kid, the kid who shows up yeah. who's like, Oh, well, I'm just on the boat now, <laughs> uh, which means you can't kill this guy in front of me. Um, Cause you'll get in trouble. But like, with who? Yeah, the cops out of town for the, the weekend. One yeah. cop is out of town. Jeez. Um. So, huh. anyway, who should arrive in the middle of the scene? But the fish known as Justice. Uh, Pat, uh, Matthew McConaughey asks some leading questions, basically being like, "Talk shit about my son some more, asshole." And Jason it's Karen is just kept keeps calling him John, uh -huh. which is his former name. Like, I guess he changed his name when he came to Plymouth to Baker Dill from like John 
Stamos or whatever. That's him, John <laughs> and, Stamos. And and just keeps calling him John in front of her like new husband and he's like, Why are you calling him John? And it's like, just stop calling him John for like two fucking seconds. <laughs> Jason Clark looks does a very good job of looking like a guy who people are trying to ask to leave a bar without him ever realizing he's being kicked out. It's just like, what? What do you mean? John? Who's John? And then the tuna gets on the line and he's like, give me that line. Give me that line. And Matthew McConaughey is like, yeah, you want this fish? Fucker. And he's like, it's all yours. And he oh, has, so when you bad. go trophy fishing like this, blue water fishing like this, you wear a fishing harness uh, so that you are basically like strapped to the line. Uh, and you're also that supposed you to be use like, your like body weight to like pull because these fish are just yeah gigantic. You're also supposed to be anchored to the boat uh, for that yeah. same reason uh, so that what <laughs> happens at the end of this movie doesn't. That doesn't happen to you, uh, which is he unhooks him from the boat, but he is strapped to the line. He's locked in. And Justice, that uh, crafty devil, yeah, yanks Frank over the side and down to his death. And then we cut to the bedroom. Like, basically, like, it's almost like we go straight from that scene. Yeah. To Do Patrick. Do we eye zoom out? Do we get the zoom out into the eye or is that later? We, it opens uh, on the, the zoom. It does. It returns to it a second time. We realize it's the screen, but that might have been the reveal. Anyway, it doesn't yeah. matter. Doesn't matter. Anyway, Patrick stands up from the computer, goes and gets a knife, leaves his bedroom, and then we get to a series of summaries about what happened. Yeah. Uh, we get the police report about Patrick murdering his abusive stepfather, and then we get. In the game, Anne Hathaway's character explaining some of what happened and that there's a chance Patrick and Baker can be together. And then the world begins deconstructing and begins breaking into polygons. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Remember when I said it wasn't like Inception? Well, yeah, it begins breaking why? into polygons and the world's like unraveling and it's very bad. Like it looks, it looks, it's an extremely shitty it looks and cheesy bad, effect. Yeah. Uh, and then the phone rings, McConaughey picks it up, and it's Patrick on the other end explaining to him that he basically got off with a minimal sentence, he'll be released, and they can be together. Mm -hmm. um, Is he talking? Does Patrick talk? That's him on the phone. Yeah. 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 Totally. Oh, yeah. And the movie ends with McConaughey back on the boat, and Patrick comes running down the dock. Little to, boy Patrick. Yeah. It is not the teen Patrick that we've seen. Cleppet-sized. Mm -hmm. it's yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> What's confusing to me during that polygon sequence is, like, nothing is changing. <laughs> no, it's bad. Like, nothing, no. nothing. It looks like it should be being broken apart and reconfigured in some new way. All yeah. that's happening is, like, all these polygons are, like, swirling around Matthew McConaughey, and it's, like, just going and going and going with this windstorm. But like the the things that should be what the polygons are coming from, like all the infrastructure around him isn't changing. And then also like later when fucking Patrick ends up in the game, like nothing's different. Like no. it just no. there's a new island. That island is not the same island. There's a difference in height. The one that they're that they're piloting out to. So 
Serenity 2. No. Serenity no. Two. The no, franchise. No, no. Franchise. There's no chance. The mom is hacking the game. She wants Patrick's having a tough time know. in his honors courses. Yep. I need yep. you to catch a fish called advanced placement. <laughs> in APIT? Yeah, APIT. Yep. My favorite class. God. So I will say, um, so Stephen Knight. The thing is, this movie made a little more sense when it when I looked up the things he's written. Oh, yeah. Mm. So one of the best things he's been a part of, and now I'm reconsidering my love of this uh, admittedly uh-huh. trashy thing, is Peaky Blinders. Yep. Uh, the Killian Murphy uh, vehicle. But more importantly, more relevant to this. Rob, I can't do this twice. Is it Killian or is it it's Killian? It's a, it's a hard K? I've been yes. saying this one wrong. I thought it was Cillian. I also have been saying Cillian. Yeah. Google or Wikipedia says Rob is right. Damn. This is not like ciabatta bread. Ciabatta. Rob has got this yeah. one right. Yeah. Wow. All right. I okay. Good. I know. I know my Irish slightly better than than uh, my Italian breads. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, Stephen Knight is also the writer for two movies that you can see the connections to this one. One 100%. is uh, I think it's Robert Zemeckis, uh, Allied. Which I have not seen. That I have not seen. Brad Pitt and uh, Marion Cotillard. Is that it? Yeah, totally. Uh, (laughs) And then he made that disastrous Bradley Cooper uh, chef movie called Burned. Oh, see, I'm going somewhere else with this, but that's interesting. So he he makes. So the thing is, like, what's Burnt's deal? I don't know Burnt at all. Burnt is like, what if you valorize the most toxic. Like asshole. Never underestimate a, a man with everything to lose. That right. It's basically okay. The biggest shithead chef in the world, mm-hmm. uh, burned out years ago, disgraced mm-hmm. himself. He's done serving his penance, though. Uh, he has served no real penance. He just shucked a bunch of uh, oysters, and he said when he shucked a million, <laughs> he would go back to cooking. That's his penance. Uh, he didn't actually make amends to anybody. He just went and uh, shucked a million oysters. And then when he shocks a million, he walks out of the restaurant and he goes back to get that three, that third Michelin star. Mm-hmm. And it's all about his mission to get uh, his third Michelin star. And it reveals the degree to which he's learned nothing. He's still an asshole to everybody. He abuses his staff. He abuses everyone who comes into his orbit. Um, and this is all portrayed as heroic and like inspiring. Uh, the movie probably is famous for just one scene in which Bradley Cooper thinks he's lost the chance at getting his third Michelin star, uh, from a bad film, from a bad, uh, restaurant review. And he goes to his rival, uh, the Americans, Matthew Reese's, uh, restaurant, which does have a third Michelin star and attempts to kill himself with, I believe Saran wrap. Um, he attempts to kill himself in this guy's restaurant, uh, either using a plastic bag or saran wrap and Matthew Reese. And he like, they, they're acting the shit out of this patently ridiculous scene as Bradley Cooper pretends to try to choke himself with a plastic bag. And it's extremely, again, Dan Aykroyd in that yeah, SNL yeah, yeah. skit where it's yeah. like Johnny Spaceman. It's extremely that, but like played dead serious. Um, Anyway, so the thing is, like, the, Stephen Knight makes these, well, like... So this is the one The one that I want to connect to is Eastern Promises, which he wrote. Okay. Cronenberg's 2007 film, which is about the Russian mafia, sex trafficking, and some other things that are a little over his... Well, so 
Ease of Promise is a movie that I remember enjoying and on a formal level in terms of some of the, the choreography and the fight scene or two, the way the light was used. And I remember leaving the theater being positive on it, but that was in 2007, which was 12 years ago. And it's a film that, like the film that Cronenberg did before Eastern Promise is a history of violence, I have come to think, hmm, I bet on revisiting it, there would be points at which I would want to eject to the things, the things in which I don't think are handled particularly well. I mean, History of Violence has like some particular scenes that I suspect would be revolting to me now that were at the time more provocative and, ooh, this is intense. Then, then now I'd be like, oh, I just don't. Mm, no, nah, I'm. Ed good. Harris's face getting caved in is still like one of the worst things I've ever Fuck, seen. Fuck, dude. So. I, I, yeah, totally. Uh, there, there's like the sterile scene. There's a bunch of stuff in that movie that's like, whew, yeah, okay. Um, Eastern Promises is a film that I remember already feeling was like not necessarily deft, but was surprising and exciting. Um, and I think this is a film that wants some of that excitement wants to throw around terms like se- like like sex trafficking and sexual tourism without like digging in um and really wants you to think about like wants you to wants you to have thought about violence but not necessarily have done the work to introduce any new ideas around it um or confront any of the complexities therein um and i yeah i don't know like it is uh, i don't know it's it's no who wants to be a millionaire Natalie Watson. Um, his next upcoming movie, y'all? Oh, no. Yeah, Stephen, Stephen Knight? Yeah. World War Z 2. Listen, get paid. Uh, David Fincher is directing that, so. What? A- apparently. You're shitting me. I'm not. What? I'm not. I'm okay, not. hold on. Let's think about World War Z. Which yeah. subplot in that is the most interesting? I never read it. I never read it. It's interesting. I don't think I. I did I watch the Brad Pitt? movie did i so did what was the the original the one with brad pitt is that just one of the timelines and one of the oh goodness plots in the book no it's nothing like that so the oh, okay. book <laughs> is it's a collection right it's like an anthology from a different perspectives right it's basically yeah. uh studs it's like a studs turkle oral history of the zombie war but sure. it's all from this is actually what makes a kind of cool book it's Max Brooks kind of looking at what is going to end the world from the standpoint of like the neoliberal order. Like what are all the threats that we are not addressing that we are ill-equipped to face, the things that we're allowing to fester. Uh, all of those will become catastrophic and lead to our destruction in the zombie war. That's what World War Z is. It tells all these stories from all these different perspectives to eliminate a different to illuminate a different way in which the world fell apart. The Brad Pitt movie <laughs> is basically mm-hmm. what if zombies attacked the world? Right, and that's it. That's that's the movie. Um, Great. Brad Pitt is just the hero uh, fighting the zombie plague, and it has like no, like literally no resemblance to any of the stories in the book. Huh. But the it will be cool. filmed this June, the sequel. So let's see how that goes. Very curious. Um, yeah. World War Z was like a legendarily troubled production too. Oh, I fucking bet. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so Stephen Knight, good luck with uh, World War Z. Possibly good more. Good luck with your life. God, yeah. Is I that think- it? Do we? Do we? Have, are we any? So I guess for me, a final thought or not final thought, but like the thing I do want to say is this tripped over the line to so bad it's good for me. Not good, but so bad it's I'm entertained in trying to piece together these questions. Mm-hmm. I think it is not a redeemed film. 
Uh, I don't think this is a film I'm recommending people go see. And unlike some other so bad, they're good films where I am like, oh, it'll be a good time. Have some people over, get some popcorn, get some beer. This is not what that is. I don't think that's I don't think this it isn't campy enough. It doesn't lean in hard enough. But I will say that, like, having come off of Split and Glass, Split especially was really hard for me to get through because of the stakes because the stakes were so high constantly knowing that so much of this was happening inside of the world of a game. And this was someone who was working through shit. There was a degree to which I was interested in the artifice. I was all the way through interested. There's things we did, We talked about very briefly up top, but there are these wild camera swings throughout this movie where it goes from almost a third person video game perspective behind the character to the like side profile shot. There are moments where it feels like you've entered a cutscene, or we talked about a dialogue box with, with a character. Mm-hmm. There are all the artifice of the island becomes fascinating for me to watch and wondering where is this poor filmmaking and where is this kind of clever where is this playing with the constraints of games um i don't think it's good at this stuff i don't think that it's even insightful necessarily so much as it's like it really is that's chappy it's oh look that's a side quest oh look that's uh, a dialogue box or i also don't know if a lot of that would land for like the majority of the audience for gamers no 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 for for like we're all gamers now really for movie goers everywhere steven knight is 60 years old he's a true gamer i understand but i just (laughs) i worry i worried that like those like specifically those camera pans would be like what the fuck yeah totally to like people that don't understand what it feel what it looks like to move your mouse like 180 degree to be a gamer yeah Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) so i don't think this is a movie for anyone but gamers gamers only but also gamers don't watch this but also gamers don't watch this because this movie was really hard to watch. Yeah. My ending thought is can um uh can can people chill with fucking can people chill with fucking with fucking. <laughs> yeah. Um no, that's not it. Uh can people <laughs> chill with abuse like just like Overly yeah. sensationalized, like sexual and physical abuse. Can we chill with that? I'm tired of it in 2019, personally, and especially if it's not gonna fucking make me feel cathartic about like being a survivor, like myself. Like if I'm not feeling like I don't know, I just I'm I'm tired of that sens- sensationalization. Um, because I think it's extremely like raw, uh, raw plot or whatever. Like, I don't know. I'm thinking of like when fucking in Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. uh, in not the most recent season, but the season before that, that there was a, like, uh, a rape scene in which, uh, that was like not in the books. And also like George R. R. Martin doesn't exactly use like rape super effectively as a narrative tool either, but this was like especially damning uh, for the writers of the show. Mm-hmm. And so like, I feel like we're in this space of like, there's a lot of like sensationalization being tossed around like pretty carelessly, um, especially just after watching Split and Glass. Um, and so, yeah, I'm tired of it. Let's just do better uh-huh. um, because we can. I think there's an interesting element there. I think there's a couple things happening there. One is that 
that is a way of ducking more complicated moral universes, right? I, I think like it's like films like to deal to traffic in this stuff uh, in part because this guy's really bad. How do I show that? Well, this is the yeah. way. Like we yeah. can all agree, this is bad. Yeah, um, and this is a video game, so we don't have to like super super confront or like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like yeah. this is a fantasy world, or this is a supernatural world, or whatever. Like these are still like real life fucking things. And um, I think there's there's also a weird thing where if you go back to like when film noirs are coming around, like you could have detective stories and books that were like solving one crime, even a minor one, was still important to do, right? And now you have the Law and Order SVU effect where it's like <laughs> we need to find the most sensational lens to cast on anything. And yeah. so we've we've got this train of gro- grotesque one-upsmanship. Um mm-hmm. You know, throughout a lot of entertainment. Uh, yeah, where I'm at is this movie was kind of. I think this movie would have been weird and goofy and interesting if it hadn't been playing with such loaded themes. And that's the that's where it broke down for me as I'm sitting there watching this movie and I'm trying to be like, boy, what a weird high concept disaster <laughs> this is from Stephen Knight. But then mm. it keeps cutting back to something really horrific and trying to weave those two things together all for the sake of a shabby little conceit. And I think that's yeah, yeah. what ends for up. For a twist it doesn't even deliver on nope. with, with you know, much, honestly, with much confidence because it has to linger. It can't just, boom, here it is. Right. And, and so, like, ultimately, I think it's interesting. It's like, I, like <laughs> it, was, it was an experience I am unlikely to soon forget. Uh, I didn't like this uh, movie. Back of the box. There you go. You <laughs> fucked up, Rob. They're gonna put that shit on the fucking Blu-ray ad. An experience that will be with me for a long yes. time. Uh, uh, but I'm not Robert sure. I'm, like I, I said this like last week, I genuinely wasn't sure. I wanted, like I thought you guys should watch it because like I genuinely didn't really. The movie wasn't fun in the way I want my bad yeah. movies to be fun. Um, but it wasn't good enough to be interesting on that sort of, you know twisted we conceptual level some time out of it though yeah, we got, yeah. 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 i mean when I, I i had the same experience as you rob when i first walked out i like looked at kato and austin i was like i don't think i can talk about this for <laughs> an hour or on a podcast at all other than saying it's like bad but <laughs> here we are here, <laughs> here we, are. we are here we are oh um, boy uh so that's it for yeah what was that movie called Serenity. Serenity. Yeah. That's it for Serenity. Don't you forget it. Mm-hmm. Joss Whedon. Um, you know, yeah, it ain't, it ain't, there's a bit that I really like where um, uh, Baker Dill says, like, it ain't all buttons and charts, little albatross. You know what the first rule of flying is? Love. You can learn all the math in the verse, but you take a boat in the air and you don't love, she'll shake you off just as soon as she'll turn the word of the world. <laughs> love keeps her in the air when she ought to fall down, tells you she's hurting before she keens. Makes her a home. When the fuck did he say that? <laughs> you don't remember that part? No, I yeah. actually oh, think I blacked so out. So he's talking to Patrick and he's like, don't. He's fuck like, off, Austin. I'm not going to watch you gaslight Natalie at the end of this goddamn. God damn that's it. from the other Serenity, Natalie. That's from the other Serenity. Oh that's, my that's, God. That's, uh, I, I There are other things I forgot fair, too fair, already. Also, and I was just. Fair. We need yeah. to do a be good and rewatch of Firefly because it's, oh, it's so bad, bad but I kind of like it still. Like there's. Oh. Good so shit. Is that the one that there's all the Funko Pops of? <laughs> <laughs> that's, Natalie, that's everything. 
<laughs> we live in a. Do you know there's that? We live in a society. We live one. We live in a society. Hey, that's Funko. That's Funko. <laughs> hey, that's Funko. That's their set. That's their slogan, right? God, I saw Serenity the... before I saw Firefly. By the way, did like, you? Really? I, think I may have also actually. You, know, huh. you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The, huh. the operative uh, Chowtel's uh, Force character got me. It, like I was like, hell yeah, this seems awesome. Is the show like this? No. But you know, there's yeah, that, pleasures. Uh, William S. Burroughs quote: uh, uh, "We live in a, this is a war universe, war all the time." That was the that was the 20th century. We live in the 21st century. This is a Funko universe. <laughs> Funkos all the time. True. All right. Well, I have like. Never mind. I don't want to talk about it. How many Funkos do you have? I need to sell them all. Please, someone buy. <laughs> Wait, did you cut thirty plus Funkos? Why do you have thirty Funkos? <laughs> because I worked you at investing? GameStop. Oh, you. Worked I worked at, at GameStop wow. when the Funkos were hot. And I would look across the way with my fucking $10 paycheck an hour, and I would say, you know what I really need in my fucking tiny East McCree. Village apartment? Oh, no. My small, small box. Who's your favorite? My favorite Funko that I have? Yeah. yeah. I have a Pinky and the Brain Funkos that I really like. That's not bad. But... Okay. Um, okay. You guys don't have to do this. You don't have to tell me curious. they're cool. I, you know. they're, I have a huge. I have a moving box full of Funko Pops. I don't know where the market is to sell them, but please, if someone <laughs> neither did Funko. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they chose every market. Someone, please take them away from me. You have a Titanfall one. Those are all right. I don't have a Titanfall one. Yeah. I have um a lot. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna end this. Yeah, I have, to go, I have to go. I can't. All right. Thank you. I thought about Titanfall. I have to go play this. Our game. thanks yeah. to awesome. Which track we're we using? This is your show. No, this it's is not. Patrick's this show. is Patrick's, Patrick's show. show. Mellow. It's a two. It's mellow a two mellow yeah. track though. Yeah. Our right, thanks to two mellow for uh, his excellent music. You can find all of that at two mellowmakes.bandcamp.com. You can keep up with all of us at waypoint.vice.com. I'm Rob Zachney. You can find me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Austin, where can people find you? Austin underscore Walker. Natalie. At Natalie Watson. Cotto. Regretting. <laughs> At A underscore Cotto underscore appears. Good luck with that, folks. Uh, <laughs> all right, so that will that will wrap up uh, this week's Be Good and Rewatch It. Uh, I think we are doing some horror films in the near future. Event Horizon is next week. They're recording that tomorrow, I think. So that'll be out next week. Awesome. Yeah. And then we need to do, I, I need a movie that I will enjoy. I agree. You I, should pick the next one. <laughs> That's that's Rob where I'm at. Rob gets to pick the movie. Yeah. for movie night. Yep. All right. So I'm, Mom, I'm going it's to Rob's get... turn on the Xbox. <laughs> it's Mom's. It's Mom's turn on the Xbox. <laughs> I've been waiting for my mom to say that to me for years. God. Right, Hope you've enjoyed watching Serenity, or at least hearing about Serenity with us and the experience of watching it. Uh, be sure to rate and review us. Uh, on your podcast platform of choice, if it allows such a thing. Uh, I like to think we're five stars. I like to think we are 100% fresh, uh, not the yeah. 22 that yeah. Serenity was rated or the 25 God. that it may have deserved, arguably. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll be back again very soon. Can't wait to talk more movies with this, with this gang of weirdos. Uh, <laughs> That's us. But until then, I want my dad to have- catch a big fish. I'm going God away. damn it. Bye. You see these headphones? I'm a weirdo. I'm wearing them <laughs> all the time. Totally twisted. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Nope, mine is airplane mode. Oop, airplane mode. Airplane mode. Airplane, airplane, airplane mode. Airplane mode. Airplane mode, airplane mode, Digimon. That's how it goes. Are you just doing just keep swimming? No, we're doing <laughs> Digimon. Digimon. Digital monsters. Digimon are the champions. champions. That's how the Digimon song goes. What a what a fucking jab at Pokemon. That's right. Digimon are the champions. Digimon are the champions. Fuck off, Pokemon. Fuck off, Pokemon. Pokemon, go fuck off. Name five Digimon. Agumon. Uh, Devilman. Devilmon. That's one of them. Angelmon. It's three. There you go. Uh, I can do this. Redamon. That's the yellow one. Mm -hmm. It's the yellow fox one. Redamon. 100%. Redamon. Okay. Redamon. Yeah. Why? What are you thinking? Is it not Redamon? No. And um, I've watched like 50 episodes of a Digimon World Let's Play. I should know this. Uh, uh, Greymon. Right. Yeah, that's Redamon. I said that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're recording right now. Sorry. Um, st- uh, st- what did I say? They say Aquaman, Greymon, like Greymon, Steel Greymon. Yeah, that one does all that shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I can't think of any like I can't think of Garurumon. Yeah, this Garurumon. was my favorite. And then where Garurumon? Terriermon. Uh, that one's cute. Oh, what was the small one? Fuck, from the first one that turned into Angelmon. What was that one's name? Patamon. Patamon. Wait, oh. is that really it? Yeah, that's it. That turned into Angelmon? That's what turned into Angelmon. Yeah. Because the E, yeah. Okay, fair. Digimon's all right. Palmon. What's the plant one? What's the plant one? Which one? You'll see. Uh, Palmon. That's Palmon? Wait, what's Palmon turn into? A cactus. Boxing cactus. But what's it called? Uh, Fucking looking it up. It's been too long. It's been too long. Yeah. I was really into Digimon once upon a time. Mm -hmm. Used to bite those. form, Togemon. Togemon. Or Woodmon. Oh, Woodmon. That's a bad name. That's a terrible name. Woodmon looked like wood. Damn. Looked like a tree. Looking like a plant. All right, I'm ready to time at 45. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you, you, should do, you should do another one. Okay, uh, 54. <laughs> oh. Wow. Almost there. All right. Digimon, digital champions, Digimon are the champions. <laughs>